The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Today's Navigating the Cancer Maze, our last show before the Christmas season. I'd like to thank Olivia Newton-John for permission to play her lovely song from her CD titled Grace and Gratitude. Lots of lovely inspirational songs, including the one that you've just heard from the title Grace and Gratitude, very close to my own heart, having authored my memoirs titled Grace, Grit and Gratitude. So that CD was recorded in Toronto in Canada with Amy Skye who also produced and co-wrote the CD with Olivia Newton-John. You can still buy it online from Olivia Newton-John's website and I'll be listing that also on my blog gracegallermedia.com where you can have a look after the show and get all the URLs and resources. Navigating the Cancer Maze. Now this is produced and sponsored by the Grace Gawler Institute and it represents the culmination of my 40 years experience working at the coalface of cancer in what I named supportive care cancer medicine. 
And supportive care indeed is a medicine because we know the way that we help cancer patients, uh, the input, the providing of hope, um, the providing of options that can help people towards survivorship is a type of medicine. We know that it does affect the mind and uh, it's a very important part of any cancer patient's program. What you may not know is that as a young girl of about eight years of age, I had two ambitions in life, to research cancer or to become a veterinary surgeon. The universe works indeed in mysterious ways. In 1976, I married a veterinarian who developed cancer not long or had it diagnosed not long after we'd started our relationship. It happened just a few days, in fact, before Christmas in 1974, 40 years ago, when I'd just turned 21. Suddenly I was carer of a cancer patient who was my boyfriend and my employer. Like many today at that time, I had no experience. I didn't know really how to cope. I didn't have any special skills. Um, I was just really running on, I suppose, my wits and uh, I knew that I had to help the patient who was in fact my charge. I had to improvise along the way a lot and added to this my boyfriend who later became my husband when he was given a prognosis of six weeks to live, indeed we married when he had two weeks to live, was also an amputee as a result of his cancer. He lost his leg to bone cancer just after that Christmas in 1974, in fact it was in January 1975, that he had a full leg amputation. I learned a lot during that hands-on period that later added to the qualifications that I gained. And my stories of those times is indeed recorded in my memoirs, Grace, Grit and Gratitude, that were published back in 2008. We still have some soft cover copies of that available, but it is also available in an ebook in a PDF format. So if you'd like to have a look at Grace, Grit and Gratitude, you can go to the website gracegawlerinstitute.com and go to the shop there on the website and find out how you can purchase your copy, your PDF ebook copy of Grace, Grit and Gratitude. Now, uh, I'm going to go back to my story uh, shortly because I think there's some very important things that come from that story. But I'd just like to move forward right now to 2012. Um, a lot of water under the bridge between 1976 and 2012. Uh, it was at that time I was looking for a way of helping cancer patients uh, in a way that they could get information that was not going to cost them because one of the really big issues, as many of you know, is the cost of cancer care. If you're in the public system in some countries, you're really lucky. However, um, people who go outside the system often spend a lot of money by going to overseas clinics and also by accessing various forms of alternative medicine for their cancer. And again, we're going to talk about that later today. But with the cancer incidents rising, I really felt like I wasn't doing quite enough. You know, I can consult with patients, I had a public speaking profile, doing workshops, but really not enough. 
So I wanted to take the opportunity to utilise what I'd learned so far and I wanted to add medical expertise in current cancer treatments and research and combine it with the experience of patients and of carers. Because also patients and carers need reliable, they need validated, they need genuine information when they're up for the fight of their lives. So 2014, some of you may be aware, marked the two years on air with Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel, hosting Navigating the Cancer Maze each week. It's a, a wonderful show. I love doing the show. I love being able to bring this information to you. And the portal of taking a program worldwide on the internet is fantastic because it gives so many people access to information that, as I said, is free to listen to and free to download and also to pass on to fellow patients and other people who may be in need. We really would like as many people as possible to know about Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please share the show. Um, my charity, the Grey Scholar Institute, sponsors this show. It's our main portal for public awareness and cancer education and uh, remembering that it's free to all those in need. But it does cost us to be listed with Voice America. If you feel you would like to help us as a, um, a donation towards the show, please visit the website. We have a Christmas fundraiser happening, and it's called Move the World with Grace. And uh, that will be supporting the show for 2015 with any funds that we raise through that program. So I hope you'll support us because we love supporting you. No donation is too small. If you live in Australia, we're a uh, not-for-profit registered health promotion charity and we have tax-deductible status. So it means every donation over $2 is a tax deduction for you. Move the world with grace. Please help us. This week's show, pre-Christmas show, I'll be also discussing the key issues for cancer patients that have been highlighted by our guests on Navigating the Cancer Maze throughout 2014. It's been a year of challenges for many cancer patients, a year of excitements also for some in the global cancer community. We're going to take a look today at the impact also of some of cancer's uh, entrepreneurs uh, who live in what can be termed the internet jungle. Uh, I actually subscribed to quite a wonderful blog and it's called Skeptical Raptor, um, stalking in the internet jungle for pseudoscience and I think it's just a wonderful uh, terminology. But in the popular press at the moment there is uh, quite a lot going on of the influence of some cancer entrepreneurs in the lives of patients and how this has influenced them to take certain paths. In the last segment of today's show, I want to talk more about what it's like with cancer at Christmas. Cancer does not stop for Christmas. Many people experience uh, depression, they can experience grief, they can experience perhaps the loss of a loved one. Uh, it can be a really difficult and a really emotional time, whether you're currently dealing with the challenge of cancer or whether you have lost someone during the year. 
the someone missing at the Christmas table. So I'd like to share with you some tips on how you can cope with these things based on the thousands of patients and families that I've dealt with over my 40 years. And also what you can do during the holiday period. There's going to be lots of links and lots of resources on my media blog that's associated with this Voice America show. Now the address for that, Grace Gawler Media, all one word, dot com. Now you can join that blog. Uh, if you visit the blog, you'll see on there how to be uh, a member. And every week after the show, in your inbox, you will automatically get an email from myself uh, which will uh, give you all the information and resources from that day's edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Now what I'm also going to uh, do is 40 years of celebration and very interestingly for me, um, just the last few days, my daughter's gone back to university as a mature age student and uh, I'm coming up for my 40 years uh, having started working with cancer patients. She's just graduated uh, with first class honours in veterinary science, um, the course that actually I had wanted to do but instead finished up being a carer of my partner with his cancer. So the universe is interesting, uh, things go around, the wheels go around, but to celebrate uh, my 40 years, I have a new blog. Now this blog has been listed on the internet, but it's just been sitting there dormant for a little while. And it's just called gracecallerblog.com. And you'll find links to that also on my media blog, should you wish to have a look at that. And that's a blog that's really focused upon some of today's subject, which will be searching for the truth in healing. Because as cancer patients, your life depends on it. And it's one of my very strong ethical points that when we're sharing information with cancer patients to the absolute best of our ability, we must get the information as accurate as possible. Now, on the blog as well, gracecallermedia.com, uh, what I'm going to do is I've looked through all of the interviews that we've had on the show just for 2014. And as you probably remember, many of the guests on the show have also been authors. And I'm going to just mention now some of the books because it's Christmas. And if you'd like to get something inspirational, like I've suggested with the, uh, the lovely CD, Grace and Gratitude of Olivia Newton-Johns, um, sometimes a book can be very inspirational arriving at the right time. And out there in the internet jungle, there is an enormous amount of books and information about cancer, and a lot of it very mischievous, a lot of it inaccurate, and uh, a lot of it from people who've never worked at the cold face of cancer, who are just regurgitating a lot of information uh, that has been around for years and putting it all together. When you work at the cold face of cancer, it's a very different story. It really brings to attention how important it is to get the information correct. And I think human interest stories, such as the one we had on last week uh, with uh, Jeffrey Deslandis, who has conquered stage four uh, lymphoma uh, using dendritic cell vaccines, is just one example of how we can uh, really present genuine stories that have been researched and have been found to have an accurate basis to them. The Man Who Saved a Million Lives was the book 
Um, we had Professor Ian Fraser on, a highly recommended book. If you want to give that as a Christmas present, um, you'll have a look online for that, but it will be listed on the blog as to where you can purchase that book as a Christmas present. Now, we had Spontaneous Remissions, Carol Hirschberg. Um, it was an annotated bi bibliography and listed a number of spontaneous remissions from the medical literature and then tried to look at some analysis of that and find out what's going on and why do we have some people having spontaneous remissions. Then we had uh, in uh, July, I did a special encore presentation which was with uh, also lymphoma survivor and therapist now, Debbie Frankie Oak. And she has uh, had a very interesting life. As I said, now she's a therapist. And she was um, the inspiration for a Hollywood movie made about her life and her recovery, also from stage four lymphoma. The first uh, film was titled A Leap of Faith, and then it was later titled A Question of Faith. Debbie's perhaps one of the few of many millions who had a genuine spontaneous remission from her cancer without medical treatment. And the movies can be found online by typing the title into Google. I'm going to take a break now on Navigating the Cancer Maze. When we come back, I'm going to be mentioning more of the books that you can buy as inspiration for your friends or for yourself, indeed, uh, at Christmas time. This very challenging time for some when uh, you have a diagnosis of cancer. So don't go away. We'll be back soon. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. 
Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're talking uh, today about the books, the authors, the guests that we've had on Navigating the Cancer Maze in 2014. I've just mentioned Debbie Frankie Oak. Um, that's OGG. You'll be able to look her up also in the guests on the side panel so if you go up to the website on voice america health and wellness channel where you can find navigating the cancer maze radio you'll see the archives and all those archives go back to the very first show in 2012 right through until today's show um, so if you want to have a look there you can also listen to the shows they're still live streaming you can still download them you can still pass them on to other people because there's some pretty inspiring stories um, and uh, some very inspiring research and scientists that we've interviewed during that period of time. Um, we also interviewed uh, David Tuckero Jr. on Navigating the Cancer Maze. He was a wonderful young man. He's uh, written a book called Bad to the Bone, the true story of David Tuckero Jr. And I think that's also a very inspiring story of his challenge with leukaemia. It's available on the net and again I will have uh, the link as to where you can buy that book and also get in touch with David through his uh, website and blog. Then we had Regina Cates, very lovely lady who talked about her book Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion and Purpose. I thought uh, Regina's work was very relevant to uh, cancer patients. There's a lot of very good material in there, although it's not directly um, associated with cancer. A lot of the, um, the attitudes and uh, I guess the whole uh, area of really finding yourself and putting that self into your cancer care uh, in a new way as you move forward comes from the, that book, Lead With Your Heart. There's enough said there about the title. We've also had on the show, um, and this was early on in the piece, this was in January 2014, we had a lovely gentleman, Dietrich Stroh, and he'd written a book about caregiving, and it was called Three Months, or it is called Three Months, A Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Healing. For anyone who's going through the experience in this never-ending story of being the caregiver, um, highly recommended reading and again, really written from the heart and very useful. Three Months, A Caregiving Journey from Heartbreak to Healing by Dietrich Stroh. We've had on the show a few times Dr Barry Casillith, who's from Memorial Sloan Kettering. And Dr. Casillith has uh, just released in the last few months a wonderful book, which I highly recommend for all of you who listen to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Again, this would be an excellent present for anyone going through the journey of cancer. And it's called Survivorship, Living Well During and After Cancer. Now, this book is available from the thecancercarestore.com. That's all one word. And if you type in survivorship living well during and after cancer, you'll actually find that. I'll put it also on the blog so that you can access that after the show. Of course, last week, um, our final author 
for the year, apart from myself, um, was Geoffrey Deslandis. Now, Geoffrey's book is published by Balboa Press. It's available in soft cover. It's an easy read. You can read it in an afternoon um, or a weekend. All proceeds from Geoffrey's book are going to the research and development of the dendritic cell cancer vaccines that indeed saved his life. So he wants to support um, the doctor here who's based in Brisbane to actually uh, further his work and make it more available to people. So this one is Australia based and uh, people in Australia please get together and buy a copy of Jeffrey's book. There won't be um, any of those proceeds going outside uh, but all going to the cancer research. The book is called From Cancer good things grow and it's a true survivor's story. Jeffrey's now free um, of fourth stage lymphoma for about eight and a half years. So the story is very personal, it's a very easy read and if you know someone particularly with a blood-based cancer where um, these vaccines have been found to be very effective indeed if you know someone who around Christmas time is feeling a bit hopeless and helpless that there's nothing more that they can do. This could be a great injection of hope and realistic hope or an authentic hope for them. So um, I can't recommend that book highly enough. So that's a roundup of um, the guests who have written books during this year of 2014. I'd like to uh, move on now to talking more about the story that actually brought me to do this show, the story that began when I was 21, um, back in 1974, around about this time. I think this story is very relevant because it really ties in to the next section here today on navigating the cancer maze because the story's been quite pivotal, not only in Australia, but around the world. And it has been a, a survivor's beacon for many people. And the story involves myself and now my ex-husband, who is a survivor of osteogenic sarcoma. There's been some conjecture of whether he's a survivor of secondary osteogenic sarcoma. And this is very important because it does lead into our third segment, as I've just said. If we go back um, in time to 1974, uh, it was just before Christmas, and a diagnosis of osteogenic sarcoma was looking like it was going to be positive. Um, my ex had been to the local GP and uh, he said, I really think that this is a bone cancer, the x-rays are not looking good, and I'm going to send you to a specialist. So like many people who jump on the, um, the cancer merry-go-round, from that time in Christmas in 1974, uh, he was in hospital by the 8th of January 1975 and had a full leg amputation. And indeed, it was found out to be osteogenic sarcoma. So uh, time went on. I was the girlfriend. Uh, I stopped working. I gave up my desire at that point. I thought I'd go back and do late, uh, late age uh, vet science, but that didn't ever eventuate. And uh, at that time, I was also doing some modelling and uh, making uh, a little bit of living on the side from that. 
And I'd been offered quite a large uh, modelling contract, in fact, with a very famous group here in Australia. But I was at the crossroads and I had to decide, was I going to support um, this person who was my boyfriend and who'd been my employer? Uh, He was on his own, his parents were overseas, and uh, there was no one else who really could have cared for him at that time. So it was one of those really big life-changing events for both of us. So he had his leg amputated and I became the carer. And that was a really full-time job. Now, for the the year that was ahead, it was just a matter of adapting. Um, his recovery, his getting through, having one leg, uh, considering whether he'd go back and work as a vet again and uh, whether that was going to be possible for him because before that he'd been a large animal vet uh, predominantly and had really enjoyed working with horses. So uh, it wasn't going to be easy to have... Uh, Uh, a situation where you had one leg and being around horses. He was also a bit worried that he might get other people injured in the way. So there was that year that went by and we really didn't do much at all. When um, we got towards the end of 1975, he developed a hard lump in his groin. And at that time, it was thought that this hard lump was actually Um, osteogenic sarcoma it appeared on the same side as he'd had the leg amputation the x-rays appeared like it was osteogenic sarcoma but there was never a biopsy performed and that becomes a very crucial point um, in the whole story as it goes along so he started uh, meditating in a fairly intensive way with the then famous Ainsley Mears Um, who had a belief that if you could reduce stress, you could probably have an impact on the nature of cancer and its development and maybe even its remission. Uh, So he started with Ainsley Mears and concurrently we began the Gerson diet. He lost a lot of weight um, during a three-month period. He had a lot of pain, so the meditation didn't work to help his pain and the diet didn't seem to work in any way to help what was going on in terms of the cancer that we thought was cancer in his uh, in his groin at that time. He got into a lot of problems because of weight loss. Uh, there was 12 fresh juices a day, all organic food. It was low in protein. It was summer in Australia. He was working very hard out in the garden, still sitting and digging and trying to lead a life that was fairly normal. But um, that got him into some very severe back problems and uh, eventually he couldn't go to his meditation sessions any longer. And because of what had happened at that point, everyone believed that he had uh, a cancer-related problem. As I said, no biopsy. So uh, indeed what had happened with us is uh, he had a very poor prognosis. He had a kidney Um, that became non-functioning. In fact, he had hydronephrosis of the kidney and um, it seemed like with the weight loss that the cancer had consumed him. However, it was not known at that time. He had night sweats. He had developed TB and that TB was to be with him for the next two and a half years. So as the story's been written up over the years, 
Um, it's been written in many, many different ways. Here we got married um, in the February of 1976. We travelled overseas. We explored healing in the Philippines. Um, and basically we did this because we were told that there was nothing else that could be done. That medically he'd had some radiation, that that failed and um, it was going to be a very shortened lifespan. But it appears that the diagnosis may have been wrong and that indeed the uh, bony lump that was able to be felt in his groin and shown on x-ray was not in fact secondary osteogenic sarcoma but uh, TB, calcified abscess in the psoas and down through into the lymph channel, which had appeared to be cancer. And this becomes such an important part of the story because nobody really put the dots together. No one joined the dots. And uh, I'll continue this story in the third part of um, our Navigating the Cancer Maze today because so many people have based their uh, way of dealing with cancer on his recovery. He wrote a book called You Can Conquer Cancer um, and uh, it seems like that cancer was not the issue at all. So do join me for the third section of today's Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'll be back shortly. each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. 
Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. And today I'm sharing some of the story on the 40 years anniversary of my working with cancer patients. Now we left off um, in the last segment with talking about uh, the biopsy that was never had for my ex-husband's cancer. We, uh, we went to the Philippines and he appeared to get better. But a lot of that was he was eating normally again, he put on weight, and I think certainly the healers helped him with pain. And uh, perhaps when his weight gain was there again, that uh, he was more stabilized in his spine. And also I think there is definitely a, um, a very strong placebo effect that came from suddenly he could do uh, something, whereas before he could do nothing towards helping this cancer. So I took him to the Philippines in a, in a very dreadful, dreadful state and uh, one month later we came home. It was a very strange honeymoon, I must say, and uh, it was something that I'll never forget as long as I live in taking someone that ill uh, on an overseas journey. Um, time went on and uh, gradually these uh, bumps and lumps that were in the uh, pelvis uh, seemed to spread and they came up through the chest and actually were very evident on the chest wall and uh, these bumps grew and grew once again people thinking this is a very strange osteogenic sarcoma it doesn't usually manifest in this way um, and it's it is actually believed with hindsight and um, medic more medical knowledge that these uh, bumps and lumps were actually calcified abscesses coming up through the hilar uh, lymph nodes and uh, tracking from in the lung. Years went past, in fact, he had some chemotherapy even, a three-month course of that because people still thought this is a very odd type of osteogenic sarcoma. We finished up, we went back to the Philippines and we then went on a world trip um, and we were just exploring the various options and um, healing centres around the world and in particular uh, we travelled through England and finished up at the Findhorn community in Scotland. And it was while we were at the Findhorn community that something quite extraordinary happened with these bony outcrops that were on his chest looking rather like a moonscape and around about in circumference the size of a saucer and standing out um, you know, quite off the, um, off the chest wall. They looked very impressive. But what happened one day is um, I used to give him quite a lot of massage and uh, I was just massaging near one of these lumps and a whole big section of it just came off under the skin and you could pick up this bone under the skin. We were excited because we were still of the belief at that stage that he had secondary bone cancer and that something extraordinary was happening. Something extraordinary was happening and it would appear that his immune system somehow had begun to overcome the TB. We came back to Australia and it was actually in that same year that uh, he experienced the shrinking of the bone even more and more and more or what appeared to be bone. They were quite solid, you know, you could really knock on them on his chest and they diminished and they diminished and they diminished. When the bone actually diminished, the very strange thing happened because he began to get swelling in his joints all over his body. 
and we thought oh dear here we go again you know if you've been down that cancer path here we go again another recurrence well in fact um, it turned out that he had TB widespread throughout the bones in his body and it had particularly affected the joints so swollen knees swollen wrists swollen elbow um, difficulties in the shoulder joint as well so uh, we went off to the cancer specialist uh, we were living in Adelaide at the time and very well expected that we were going to get the dire, um, dire prognosis and um, the diagnosis I guess as well for um, for being a recurrence however he said well I can't find any cancer but you've got TB and he said you've had TB for at least two and a half years so if we track back it means that the TB was actually there around about the time of that initial diagnosis of secondary cancer which was never biopsied so uh, time has gone on he was treated conventionally for um, the TB and recognizing that there were no services for cancer patients uh, back in Australia there were no support groups we'd had to bumble around and find our own way um, we believed in the, the great um, tenets of nutrition and there was nowhere to teach people about stress reduction and healthy lifestyle if you had cancer so we started support groups and everyone said oh no one will come to support groups well they flocked patients flocked in and so the first Australian cancer support groups were actually um, founded then um, I looked at uh, what was happening for women with breast cancer and I did gender specific uh, groups for women with breast cancer and they were indeed the first breast cancer groups in Australia so from this story amazing things group a little bit like Jeffrey Deslandi's uh, title to his book but uh, over the years we've been able to look back and it's highly likely had we not been very proactive at the time when the TB was there and we didn't know it was there and thought it was cancer if we had not been proactive at that point he probably would have died from the TB because he was really ravaged and the diet had uh, really taken off so much weight for a man with one leg so it was very complex it was a very complicated story to unravel the press got hold of it and they weren't able to um, really put this story in the right perspective a lot of errors were made as it was put across and uh, even medical journals got it wrong so the first uh, journal article about this story was in the medical journal of australia and it was in 1978 and uh, it actually portrays the tumours as um, they were thought to be or the calcified uh, masses on the chest. So um, that particular article has a lot of errors in it. That article um, has gone forward and other articles have been based on the errors in the original article. So it gets to be very complex indeed for the cancer patient. And uh, that brings me to talking about uh, Wellness Warrior, which has been very much uh, in the news here and very much on the internet buzz uh, as a cancer entrepreneur. Now, the Wellness Warrior is a young lady who's dealing with uh, epithelioid sarcoma, and she decided that she wasn't going to have treatment for it after she'd had some chemo in her arm. 
Um, she hadn't had a good medical experience, which also, you know, many people do this. They, they go along and they have a bad experience and that's it. Modern medicine is out of the picture. I'm going to do this naturally and I'm going to work with people who are nice to me. And um, this young lady, unfortunately, has done that. She's got a very popular blog with many, many thousands of people who, who comment and who read that blog. And she's been very influenced by this story, this story of my ex-husband's uh, recovery. And it's indeed important to, uh, to bring this to attention because I think it's just a great example of how unwittingly a story can be carried forward. Um, you know, if, if, if you think that you had something going on and no one's going to tell you otherwise, if you think you had cancer and uh, everyone's kind of said, oh, yes, you've just recovered from cancer, you know, it's really easy to believe it. But again, with the hindsight, with looking back on the story, um, it has been discovered that it's highly likely, highly, highly likely that this was not a secondary osteogenic sarcoma and that uh, his primary amputation was indeed the cure. Now, if we take that forward into this young lady, the wellness warrior, who's put a lot of faith and based her recovery uh, saying, well, if Ian did it, I can do it too. But if Ian hadn't had cancer, and indeed he had TB, you can see how dangerous it is to base your story on someone else's story which may not be verified. So this has happened quite a lot. Uh, I have patients in my practice every day who say, oh yes, your, you know, your ex-husband did this or Ian did this, I can do it too. And I have to explain very carefully that it's not verified that he actually did have osteogenic sarcoma secondaries because there was never a biopsy of any of that, um, that secondary cancer growth. So even the medical profession, yes, makes mistakes and there was a mistake certainly made in that diagnosis. And it may have affected a lot of people. And when Ian wrote, you can conquer cancer, there was no mention in there of the TB. Um, maybe the dots weren't being connected. However, after that period of time, uh, when I saw in 2008, in a medical journal, uh, another article that was written um, and saying that Ian had recovered because he'd had a vegan diet, positive thinking, and uh, that this actually probably affected the genetics of the, of the cancer at some level. And I contested that in the Medical Journal of Australia, knowing the facts, because indeed I was the person who was there at the time going through this, and I kept very good records and photographic and even some film records on the way through. So those two medical journal articles have, have uh, been a proof and perhaps proof enough for people like our wellness warrior, young Jessica Anscow. And in fact, she says uh, she was asked to speak at uh, a very important cancer event or surviving cancer event. She now has very advanced cancer um, as a result of her Gerson diet and uh, her mother actually also died from breast cancer following the same regimen. So we're talking about some pretty serious stuff here, folks. Um, and it's very important for me, who is in the story, to get this story right for people, to get it in perspective, 
and to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think complementary medicine can do amazing things. I think massage, I think stress reduction and some forms of mindfulness meditation are incredibly helpful for cancer patients, but they are not curative of themselves and need to be done in balance with what the best of conventional medicine can offer. Um, I've just got one of her blogs here in front of me and um, she says... um, For every doctor who told me that my case was terminal, I would latch on to a real-life case who had defied such a diagnosis in their own life. The one who played the biggest role in this for me was Ian Gawler. And she goes on to say, Ian Gawler was diagnosed with bone cancer, had his right leg amputated in 1975. However the disease recurred, and um, that's the bit of conjecture that we've been talking about uh, today, later that year and began ravaging his body. Ian's story of recovery employing an integrated approach driven predominantly by dedicated meditation is truly remarkable. It was my anchor to a future the doctors had pretty much ruled me out of having. I thought if Ian can do it, so can I. And his book, You Can Conquer Cancer, was my Bible. So um, it's a fairly hefty claim and uh, it's unfortunately, like it has done for so many patients that I see, uh, has been a little misleading for people on the road to cancer recovery. We're going to take a break now and come back soon on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Don't go away. to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawler, your host. We've been talking about Wellness Warrior in the last session. If you'd like to read up more about this, I'm going to put a link on my blog on gracegawlermedia.com. There's an excellent um, series of blog posts. It's on a post called Science Blogs. It's science-based medicine. It's called Respectful Insolence. And uh, the link to that is http double slash scienceblogs.com forward slash insolence. 
It's written by ORAC, and uh, it's well known that he is actually an oncologist. He's been following the story of wellness warrior Jessica Ansco for some time. He gives some really very good insights and a walkway through this entire story. I really heartily encourage you, please have a read of this. I'll be putting the link on the blog. You can click straight through to it. Because I think Jess's story is just so um, typical of the people that I see coming through my practice every day. I see injuries from uh, people leaving tumours, hoping that the juices and organic foods and meditating and positive thinking and vegan diets, raw foods, are going to cause a cancer cure. They come to me um, seeing themselves as failures and greatly disappointed and feeling somewhat betrayed uh, from the system that they have actually followed. You know, they've believed in Dr. Google, they've believed in many of the books that have been written. And um, this has cost them dearly. I have a young lady at the moment who's in her mid-30s, an enormous 10, 10 or 12 centimetre fungating breast cancer um, that she heartily believed could be dealt with by a total natural approach. She had uh, many books and uh, she had many, many CDs that were purchased from the internet about how you can cure cancer naturally. So I'd really encourage you, please think carefully before you go down that road. If this show does nothing else but um, causes you to think about the direction that you're going with looking after your cancer, uh, I think I've uh, done my job. The failure syndrome is quite big to deal with and uh, I've even noticed that some of the comments on blogs about Jessica Ansco are saying, well, if perhaps you haven't done this well enough. And um, that's a real guilt trip for many patients and, and not something that you need to be dealing with when you're facing a, um, a cancer situation that's not looking like it will have a good outcome. So if you've got cancer, what to do at Christmas? We're going to um, just look at this subject for the last few minutes of the show today. I really suggest that you make a plan for Christmas. It's a very difficult time for people who have cancer. If you've been given a bad prognosis, some people can really get locked in, and it's very normal to do this, um, to the thinking, this could be my last Christmas. And that can create all kinds of problems and depression. Uh, some people even become suicidal at Christmas because they can't cope with all that's going on around them when, uh, when they've got cancer or when someone that they love has cancer. So I think making a plan, um, don't just sit around and, and wallow in it, yet be real. Be real about your situation. If you've been walking down this alternative path, be real about that and say, okay, well, you know, here's an example of this young lady in particular that we've been talking about today. And maybe I'll consider um, looking at another path or merging the paths um, so that I get a better result from my cancer situation. So set goals for 2015. Um, I've got a nice little pie chart that I use. It's called a health restoration plan. And I get people to look at that and change it, say, every six to eight weeks. As their life uh, develops, have they been able to stick to the plan? Um, was the plan too adventurous in the beginning? You know, is it doable? So when you set yourself goals, it's really good to think of, okay, let's be practical here. What can I do? 
What are the passions that I've let go in my life is a really other important one to deal with. Um, you know, I've always wanted to sing. I've always wanted to play guitar, maybe. Um, I've always wanted to dance, but maybe I can't dance in the way that I used to because now I've got cancer. Finding um, these outlets for one's passion has a very important impact on both the psychology, your emotional state, and I believe even the physiological state, including your immune system. When you're living your passion, it's easier to make cancer an inhospitable host. It sounds like a throwaway line, it's not new age, but I have known people to just completely move away from their their uh, stuck place in their lifestyle and say, yes, I always wanted to do that. And it's a bit like having your bucket list and uh, ticking them off one by one without being too um, overly adventurous, as I said, needs to be practical. So please reconsider if you've been following that particular uh, pathway in terms of alternative treatment because um, there may be innovative medical treatments that you don't know about that you can embrace in combination with anything that you are doing and, and make the complementary medicine and the conventional medicine work hand in hand. If you've had a bad experience with one doctor, that's one doctor. Look around for others. In my own situation, I had 15 specialists involved in my case. Two of them were very supportive. I chose to go with the two that were supportive and uh, move through the other people who said, well, you'll just have to put up with having an ileostomy for the rest of your days. And uh, I think you're very silly for having an experiment with uh, sacroneuromodulation. You know, those people have had to eat humble pie. Now, this wasn't an alternative procedure. It was an out-of-the-box medical procedure that no one really knew about. So the people that were advising me really were unaware of um, these other treatments that were out there. So I think that's quite important too. Really, folks, make balanced and well-informed choices. I'm going to be putting on the uh, on the Grace Gawler Media blog uh, something from the Skeptical Raptors blog about how to really find out about pseudoscience. Some of the sites these days are getting very clever and uh, it's very hard for anyone who's not trained in science to actually look through those. And, uh, you know, you can cherry pick the, the information and, and walk away and thinking, wow, this is the most amazing cancer treatment. Really encourage you to look at the immune cycle. Register online if you haven't already. We're getting underway with that uh, throughout Christmas and the New Year. So if you register your email, uh, we'll be sending you information about what you can do to encourage your doctor to get you as a part of the immune cycle, as we heard with Martin Ashdown just recently. Um, be careful who you follow when it comes to exploring unconventional cancer treatments. You've got to really look around, research. You can always email me, instituteofgracegawler.com. It's an area that I specialise in and I do run an alt-med rescue practice, which I never thought I would be doing as a trained naturopath and uh, botanical medicine specialist. Now, if you've lost someone at um, either this year or around Christmas time of last year. This can be a very sad and a very lonely time and a very depressing time. So it's nice to remember the people that were lost. Um, it's nice to have maybe a silence for them, maybe plant a rose, some kind of flowering tree for them, maybe have something that's said at the dinner table on Christmas Day rather than the elephant in the living room that no one wants to talk about 
it's better that everybody gets to talk about the person who's not there anymore, whether it's a child or whether it's an adult, grandma, grandpa, whoever. And give everybody a chance to say something. You know, it can be really nice to have a memory Christmas dinner. And around the table, remember those people who are no longer at the table with you. And everyone can actually have something to say about them. So, without further uh, further comment, I am going to sign off with uh, going out with grace, grit and gratitude. I wish you a very, very happy Christmas best compliments of the season and may 2015 bring all that you wish and we hope to see you again on navigating the cancer maze after christmas and in the new year remember tell folks about the show bye for now again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.